Our text for meditation this Christmas day is on our Old Testament reading, Micah chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. Hear the word of our Lord. Now muster your troops, O daughter of troops. Siege is laid against us. With a rod they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel, and he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great, to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. When the Assyrian comes into our land and treads in our palaces, then we will raise against him seven shepherds and eight princes of men. They shall shepherd the land of Assyria with the sword and the land of Nimrod at its entrances, and he shall deliver us from the Assyrian when he comes into our land and treads within our border. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I will be making this brief. Some high-profile pastors and ministers have been out there demanding that everyone celebrate Christmas in the pews on this day, and in part, they are certainly correct. We Christians make quite a bit of bluster about how we need to celebrate the reason for the season, how we need to put Christ back in Christmas, and all those slogans. But when we are finally presented with an opportunity to worship on Christmas Day and actually do all those things, suddenly we find ourselves sluggish and unmotivated to peel ourselves away from the presents and chocolate and cozy hearths that marked the start of the day. But at the same rate, I fear that these pastors might have gotten too overzealous. Now imagine that, a pietist minister telling these men to cool off with their exhortations to devotion. But I mean it. This day is a day of celebration that ends Advent. A season of meaningful anticipation and starts a whole new season of joy. On this day, we worship Christ by feasting and spending time with our families. I fear that an overly stern direction to engaging in performative worship might just be burdening parishioners. And worse than that, inverting the jubilation we ought to have into joyless, drab monkery. So with that said, let us have a brief homily and rejoice that our Savior's birth shows the faithfulness of God. Chances are you have heard that Micah prophesies concerning Christ's birth in Bethlehem. But when exactly does he make this prophecy? The first verse gives us that context. Muster your troops, O daughter of troops. Siege is laid against us. The closest event that describes this is when the Assyrian army invades Judah. And Micah, like his contemporary Isaiah, is tasked by our Lord to speak to the people about it. Micah could be speaking about the siege as it was happening, or he could be predicting that it will happen soon. 
the timeline is a bit hazy as to when he said various things. But let it be known that he spoke on this. Judah was to be judged for their sinful ways. They were being chastised for their Asherah poles and high places. They were being punished for their usury and oppression of the poor. They were invaded on account of their terrible social practices, their widespread tendency to rebel against God, and so much more. When the siege begins, the Rabshake, or Grand Vizier, notes that he and his fellow Assyrians have something of a task from God. Quote, Is it without the Lord that I have come up against this place to destroy it? The Lord said to me, Go up against this land and destroy it. 2 Kings 18, verse 25. The only reason, I'd say, that Judah escaped all this wrath was the fact that they had a godly king, Hezekiah, in charge, one who listened to the righteous prophets our Lord sent to him. But everyone, whether a child of Judah or a soldier of Assyria, knew that this was a moment of judgment. It is not without parallel to the feelings people have in the West today. My people abandoned God in favor of the quote-unquote enlightenment and immediately fell sway to the ugly, satanic fantasies of subversives. Now our countries all gather around a colorful banner while they push sin on everywhere else. And as Britain suffers cold... Germany suffers violence, the Nordic countries have their projects bombed, and America's dollar falls into the inflationary toilet, we all have a sense that judgment is on the horizon, worse than judgment we have faced thus far. Micah, the prophet, spoke to a people wholly discouraged in their struggle to survive. He speaks to us much in the same way. Micah gives them, and us, a promise. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. Make no mistake, this is a promise that a tiny little baby will be born in a tiny little town. Can you imagine it, my friends? The officers are shouting, Man the ramparts! Aim your bows! Siege is upon us! And the king frantically searches for his advisors, and you can almost hear him blurt out, Isaiah, Micah, dear prophets, speak to us! What shall happen? And in the midst of the chaos, Micah comes forward. He just kind of shuffles up and says, uh, Well, there's going to be a baby. He'll be in Bethlehem. And uh, until then, times will be rough. I can only somewhat humorously imagine him being roundly ignored after saying this, with the king immediately turning to Isaiah to hear a bit more, well, practical advice. But what Micah says is a fantastic message of Christmas for all to hear. He tells the people of Judah that there will one day be a righteous ruler who will deliver them and bring the remnant together. He will bring security and stability in a word, salvation, to all who belong to him. 
We understand that this is none other than Jesus Christ, who had been promised from of old. Hezekiah was a righteous king, but he is merely a foreshadowing of the true king. Just as Hezekiah righteously stood his ground under the attacks of the Assyrians defending his people, so too will Jesus Christ righteously defend us from the assaults and sieges of the devil. Micah teaches the children of Judah to look forward to the arrival of the Messiah. He teaches us to look back at that very arrival, the very first Christmas, so that we too may look forward to a future deliverance. Now, in the midst of this passage, while it's fun to imagine that the prophet was ignored, it seems he actually heard a response of great encouragement. I believe the last two verses show the response of the officials in Judah. Micah has this habit of writing down conversations, both recounting the words people said and occasionally speaking on behalf of the people to God. So let's reread. When the Assyrian comes into our land and treads in our palaces, then we will raise against him seven shepherds and eight princes of men. They shall shepherd the land of Assyria with the sword and the land of Nimrod at its entrances. And he shall deliver us from the Assyrian when he comes into our land and treads within our border. Would you look at that? In the midst of all the bad news, in the midst of a siege, in the midst of all this fear going around, Micah gives his prophecy in the response right after that fifth verse here. is to say, you know what, when the Assyrians show up and they, they go over into our palaces and everything, you know what, we're going to raise up guys to fight back. And they're, they're going to go all the way to Assyria. They're going to shepherd them with the sword. Oh, they're going to invade us? Well, we're going to go all the way into the heart of the land of Nimrod. We're going to go straight up to Nineveh, and we're going to kick their butts. And this king you're talking about, he shall deliver us from the Assyrian when he comes into our land and treads within our border. He's going to save us. The response of the people, it seems to me, is motivation. They were just promised a king. They were promised a messiah. They were promised somebody who's going to come in and bring all this security. And instead of responding to that with, well, all right, I guess we're just going to sit here and wait for him to show up. Instead of that, they get excited. They respond basically by saying, look, these Assyrians that want to invade, they don't know who they're messing with. I have the God of the entire universe promising that he is going to raise up a mighty deliverer. Who on earth is going to be able to fight back against me? They are pumped to do something. Even knowing that God is going to take care of it, they want a piece of the action. They want to be in on it. They are overjoyed and excited to have a part in this. And they rejoice that there is a guarantee of victory, even though they say, that he's going to tread on the palaces. Yeah, times are going to be tough, but you know what? We are going to hold on to this promise that God has given us, and we're going to work. Now, they have a little bit higher hopes than what actually happened, at least in terms of going to Nineveh and beating the tar out of the entire empire. However, the defeat that the Assyrian army suffered at Jerusalem, when God just sent an angel to kill several hundred thousand men, was even better than they had hoped. Those plans to 
go counterattack Assyria in their own homelands were scrapped as soon as they saw that God wiped out their entire army except the king and a few other people. But they held on and were excited to go out and do, to go out and fight, given the promises of God. Oh, dear Christians, let us look at Christmas the same way. God has promised us our deliverer. He has shown us that our deliverer arrived and died on a cross for our sins. He rose again to promise us eternal life. And he promises to come again to further deliver us. Let us not sit around then and do nothing waiting for Christ to come back. But instead, let us have the attitude that the children of Judah had of, with this promise that God has made, Who can possibly stand against us as we march forward as faithful soldiers for our Lord Jesus? May Christmas be the most encouraging day of the year for you, that we may go forward in love and in courage to seize the day and to move forward no matter how bad things look. Because with the good thing that happened in the past, Christ's birth, We have a promise of good things to come in the future. Now may the peace of our Lord, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds. In Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.